coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. The conversions that we're looking at are much more kind of hands-off in the, you know, kind of go into the funnel, work through the steps for it. And that changes both the marketing and any sort of engineering for the website. Because it changes how you're going to set somebody up to take the desired action for it. How are you going to nurture them with content when the goal is not to try to get them to call you, but just to give you their email or just to give you a little bit of information about, you know, what their, what their goal is so that we can qualify the, the value of that lead. You know, we, it's, we look at whether or not leads are actually going to be, you can convert them, right? Like you have leads that say like, yeah, I want a website. It's like, I have 150 bucks. It's like, that's not a lead, yeah. right? And so being able to find ways and, and looking at, we haven't gotten too far into it personally because our lead volume is, is not at a point where we need to, mm -hmm. um, but seeing how these CRM systems are starting to get much more sophisticated. We're doing a lot of things where we're building in, um, you know, with Salesforce integrations for some of our large web projects because people are recognizing that is kind of the, the operational logistics that mm -hmm. technology enables more than almost anything. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Brett Snyder, who is the founder and CEO of Knucklepuck. And yes, just in case you're wondering, I did ask how they came up with the name Knucklepuck. I just, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, but Brett has a an interesting path, how he got to where he is today. And we what, some of the main things that we dove into was uh, how Knucklepuck has made the decision and why Knucklepuck made the decision to remain completely remote. Obviously, we're, we're coming out of this, this pandemic and people are trying to get back to normal. Brett and his team have decided to not really necessarily go back to normal. And, and we talk about all of the different challenges and all of the different ways that they've sort of learned to adapt and learn to run their business, run their company remotely at this point. So, you know, from an employee standpoint, he said it just made you know a lot of sense. Obviously, this is a, a problem that a lot of companies, big and small, are, are sort of you know, finding their way through this, feeling their way through it. Are we going to go back, you know, fully into the office or are we going to be a little bit more flexible or are we going to eliminate the office altogether? And again, at Brett, with Brett and Knucklepuck, they've decided to eliminate the office altogether. He said that they do still keep a co-working space and, you know, a couple of spaces that, that are available, you know, if needed, but most of the employees are spread across the country now. So what that does is it opens up a, a large or a larger pool of talent, you know, for their company. So really, really interesting. This was a great conversation. So if this is something that you're struggling with, this is an episode that you certainly are not going to want to miss. And Brett also gets into you know some of the things that his agency does and, and some of the, the things that they've learned over the years as far as advertising their companies. He gave some timelines. He gave some you know approximate things that you should be looking for 
on, you know, if you're looking to, to create an SEO strategy or, you know, if you're looking to promote your company, you know, these are the things you should be looking for and the things that you should, should expect. So really, really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Brett Snyder. I gotta say that's an interesting one. I haven't I haven't gotten that one before. Um, the one thing that I remembered, so both of my parents worked full time, um, but I do remember we always ate dinner as a family, um, and we always had music on. I think that was we had the five CD changer, so it was like Meatloaf was in there all the time. We had like you know, the holiday music around this time of year was starting to come out. Um, I have two younger brothers. And we would, you know, even as we got into high school, as even when we got older, we would, you know, they might be fast, they might be, you know, five yeah. minutes, and then you're, you know, you're running back up, but we always ate as a family. And the other thing I always remember that this was back in the time of landlines, yeah. and we had an unlisted number. And if anybody called during dinner time, my mother let them have it. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is our That's family great. time, like, you know, yeah. what time it is, don't you call me here. So, you know, it was, it was a time that was really important to our family and something we really protected. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And and did you do the whole college thing? Did you follow that that path? Yeah, yeah, I did. So I went to went to Villanova outside of Philly um, after high school. I actually met my wife there. I proposed at homecoming and got married on campus cool. years later. But it's I've actually been pretty involved in Villanova. I've gone back to lecture on campus. I I am a person who believes that networking is about having a couple of really deep roots. Yeah, you know, organizations that you're really willing to commit to and to invest in, rather than being ankle deep in a handful. Yeah, so I've yeah. been on the advisory board for the mentor program. I've done, you know, work with, you know, with the administration, you know, the, of the university because it allows me to, to stay connected to it and build some really good, really good um, relationships. Yeah, I, and I like that. I like that that train of thought. So, is your school obviously your school is one of the deep deep roots? Is it is it are all the roots sort of branched off of the school, or are there other ones that you yeah, like I, to I participate think- in? Yeah, so we recently went fully remote as a company. You know, we had a headquarters in Arlington, Virginia. You know, we went remote last year where when everybody went remote, we were already kind of planning for it. We already had, you know, everybody had laptops. I haven't bought a Microsoft Office license in years and everything was always in Google Drive, Google Sheets. And I actually put it on our strategic plan in 2019 that we have to start adapting to providing at least remote flexibility because yeah. that's what people expect. And so I think the, you know, being involved in Arlington was a big part for me. You know, it's one of the reasons that even though the company has gone fully remote, like I got a co-working space, you know, to stay involved in that community. But I try to try to, you know, have a couple of them. It doesn't all spawn from there. And, you know, I want to diversify, you know, where you're getting different perspectives from, you know, where you're starting to get, you know, different, different points of view, you know, coming from the same, you know, largely liberal college in the Northeast yeah. is, you know, not always the most diversity of thought. And I think that's something that that is important to me as well and why I try to stay involved in these groups and get get pretty, you know, pretty deeply involved, trying to take leadership positions and contribute in a meaningful way where I can. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And you're right. I mean, there's, it's interesting. You, A lot of people don't necessarily recognize, you know, the lack of diversity in different situations and, and you know, what that can do to sort of, I guess, give you tunnel vision, right? You know, you mm-hmm. kind of get set on a path and, you know, you don't see the other perspectives or the other, you know, the other, uh, the other sides of that story. So that's, that's fantastic that your eyes wide open to that part. So, so you mentioned how you guys went, you know, fully remote, right? Uh, and obviously this is something that a lot of companies, big and small are sort of struggling with right now. And, you know, what a lot, I think what a lot of the old timers are sort of stuck on is, you know, that, that collaboration that happens you know, you're walking, you know, by someone's office and you can stick your head in the, in the door and ask a question or, Hey, what do you think about this or whatever it is? 
have you noticed any type of lapse or lag in that type of, of communication or is it, have you guys been able to sort of pick up again? Because obviously when a lot of these other more established or, or I should say longer established companies started, they obviously didn't have things like Zoom and you know Google Meets and all of that. So do you feel like, like those are a good replacement to that sort of sporadic, spontaneous communication that you know someone can normally would have had just walking down the hall? Or is it, you know, do you feel? Yeah, I think my biggest, my biggest point that I've tried to make to people and, and me personally, like I really advocated for our office. I, I'm a person that, you know, I benefit a lot. I'm highly extroverted. I benefit a lot from having these interactions and walking up and walking around. But, and so I, I really campaigned for it. I was probably the biggest, most, most disappointed when, you know, it, it became clear that that was going to be the direction that we were going to go. Um, but what I've tried to tell people, and because everybody asks, like, how are you going to get this, you know, this thing that we've done this way for all the time? Like, how do you get that culture back? How do you get yeah. that experience? Um, and you don't. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's not, at least not that exact experience anymore. So we have to find ways to be able to manufacture these organic conversations. I'm talking to my director of marketing now. We do a punch list every year where we get into the last two months. We say, what are we going to wrap up that we want done so that we can focus on a fresh strategic plan in 2022? Mm -hmm. And is and working on kind of a coaching program that we can now start matching people up with different people in the organization. We're honestly talking about making it a mandatory process. So like, no, I'm sorry, you don't get to choose whether you want to do this. Like yeah. we need to put you in a Zoom room so that you can create the opportunities for these conversations. Yeah. We've got to be. We have our our SEO team actually has a, a Google Meet link up all day, and people will come in and come out. Some people will have it up for hours, and you know people come in and out. And so we had to like that wasn't set by us. That was set by the team. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the biggest thing, and I've always believed this from the very very beginning, um, is that leadership does not create the culture in your organization. Yeah, you know, leadership creates the opportunity for the culture in your organization. Yeah it can impact and affect the culture of your organization, but the culture is dictated by the group, by, by the community and by what everybody else really wants and how they're gonna be able to be successful. And so that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to lean into. We're gonna do the traditional retreat thing. We actually threw a big blowout party in our space. We did our holiday party there. Yeah. So I got a little, I got a little salt from the building when they, uh, they saw us rolling in tables and everything yeah. <laughs> down the hallway. Um, but we're trying to create, and we went big for it. You know, we tried to create that really intense bonding experience over a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So that way, then we can fill it in with some of these more, you know, remote first or more remote focused types of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you, is your team, I, I'm assuming your team was, you know, sort of centrally located around you, you know, prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's some other people that have come on board, you know, now that's, you know, that are a little bit further away, but, but are, is your team still pretty well focused, you know, in the same area and are they still getting together, you know, every now and then, or is it something that, that, you know, you guys are kind of just branched out and people are all over the place at this point? Yeah. So it's interesting. And, and you kind of think about like what's considered close, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. we're in Arlington, Virginia. We had some folks who live a couple blocks away. We have some folks that are moving up to Annapolis, you know, which is, you know, an hour and change maybe, you yeah. know, to get down here. So it's like, could Evan come in? Of course, you know, when we've had events, she did, but was somebody going to do that commute on a regular basis? No. Probably not. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about the idea of like where everybody's located and where everything expands from, like, it's kind of like you go outside 15, 20 minutes and people don't live near the office anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. 
we've had, we, we acquired our web development firm that was already a fully remote team. So that was, that'll be four years ago in March. And so that was one of the things that our, you know, two or half the team is based like an hour and a half outside of where HQ was. So again, could come in for big things, you know, didn't need a hotel room to go and do events, but our lead front end developers in Dallas, our product owners in Ohio, um, we had our paid media team lead just moved to Denver. And so mm-hmm. my options were lose a really great employee that has already proven he can work in this environment yeah. or, you know, support a remote environment and people yeah. being able to, to go and experience the lifestyle that they want to have. Yeah. And, and probably one of the, the biggest, I guess, benefits from an entrepreneur standpoint is it also opens up your uh, reach and, and exposure to talent, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, 100%. now you're not necessarily focused on, you know, 20 minutes away from the office, it's, you know, basically anywhere. So mm-hmm. have you, have you learned anything as far as, you know, obviously you guys had a successful physical company where everybody came in, you know, there's a little bit different dynamic and, and I'm not sure how many people you've brought on, you know, since you've been in this remote environment, but have you, have you sort of adopted any best rules of practice as far as identifying, you know, who would be a good, again, you, you mentioned like, you're not going to get back to the same culture, but you still have a culture that, that, you know, everybody, you know, understands and, you know, that type of person that, that, you know, works well in your community. Have you, have you been able to identify or, or found out different ways to be able to identify that, you know, using remote technologies, or is that still something that you're sort of ironing out at this point? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, it's not so different in terms of what makes the culture, right? Like if you can get people to interact and you have recruited people that align with your values as an organization, that was one of the things that I kind of, you know, turned my nose up at when I had a coach and I was started the company and I was working, you know, you know, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., you know, six days a week kind of deal. And she's like, well, you really should set some time to set company values. It's like, all right, Carol, no, whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. Um, but she really insisted. And it was one of those things that now that we have, we have accountability, integrity, and empathy are our three company values. Um, and we try to keep it really tight. So we teach people those things. And we say, as long as those things are, are taking place, like all we got to do is put you in the room. All you do is make sure that you're having regular meetings with not just your manager, but with other people on the team, that we're not overloading you with meetings, but our marketing and dev teams both have one meeting as a group. You know, every Monday I meet with our, you know, our three directors or three exec people once a week. Everybody has a, an individual one-on-one with their manager. We have an all hands meeting where we encourage people to, to kind of share what they've learned. And when we have new people come on who are trying to understand the culture, that's a big part of it. We use a, a personality test called the Strengths Finder that identifies things that you're inherently good at. And we make our hires on their first all hands meeting that first Friday when they start, they have to talk about their strengths. Yeah. And they have to, we, we kind of make people engage. <laughs> you know, yep. most people are, but they just need that, that push. Most people want to be successful, right? They want to be good networking. Even if they're even introverted people, like want to feel included and accepted yeah. for it. That's sure. not like the... That's not what is is you know different for introverts in this. I've, I've told people this before. The hardest part is walking up and saying, "Hi, I'm Brett. What do you do?" Yeah. You know, yeah. like if we can get that, that's kind of the you know that's what we've tried to be really conscious of because it's it's subtle, but we're forcing our group to come together. We're making sure that there are opportunities for people to develop that culture. Yeah. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And talk a little bit about what you guys do in your in your. Uh in your agency? What, what types of th- projects do you get involved with? 
Yeah, so Knucklepuck is a digital marketing and web development. And I love agency. that name, by the way, too. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. It's funny. It wasn't the it wasn't the original name for the business until I got a uh, I got a cease and desist letter from somebody uh, who had come who had shared my original name. It was Agora Inbound. Okay. The Agora was the the marketplace in ancient times. The internet's yeah. the modern day equivalent of that. Yep. And so you know, I got my first cease and desist letter at twenty six. Congratulations. You know, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Great. Had it framed to the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we ended up kind of making and shifting that, but what was the original? Oh, the, so what Knucklepuck does. So yeah, so we're a digital marketing and web development agency. So search engine optimization, paid media, and content marketing, you know, on the marketing side, and, and we do our web development is exclusively on WordPress as a CMS. Okay. And so from clients, you know, that's, I think, one of the other reasons that we were particularly well-suited to go remote, because our clients were already fully remote. Like yeah. not, not themselves individually, but like we were already having to function as an extension of a team remotely yeah you know and so yeah. we already had all the, the communication protocols everybody's very familiar with how to use these different platforms and how to make sure that you can engage with your clients do your screen shares you know and whatnot that you have to do and so our clients on you know on the marketing side kind of go everywhere um the one thing ironically being outside dc the one thing we really don't dabble in is government mm -hmm. you know that's its own kind of microcosm with you know lots of lots of very high barriers to entry yeah um, yeah and so we really look for clients that you know understand the value of what marketing or a new website can do to grow your business yeah um, when i have people tell me like all right like sell me on why i should hire you i was like you shouldn't yeah. because you don't believe in the process right like i you need to believe that this is going to work and then you find a vendor to execute but if you're trying to get somebody to sell you on the process for it, you know, I, I don't know that you're really well suited for our dynamic. And yeah, so it, we really we put a lot of effort on that that personal relationship and and that you know PM side of it to make sure we can get get into the weeds there. Yeah, and and what types of companies do you deal with? Is it more service based type businesses, or you know, is it manufacturing across the board? What what, yeah, what it's, do you it's have really, any industries? You know, because I've always said that I just, as long as we can make an impact and we can do good work, like that's the, that's what I've always loved about an agency, right? Like it's why I've, I've never personally worked in an in-house job where I'm working on one client forever. Um, I actually think it's, it's a great way to keep your mind sharp when you're going in and you're having to solve similar problems, but in different ways. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. You can't just take the same code off the shelf and drop it into a new site. Yeah. You, know, you have to find a way to configure it and solve specific problems with how they want their data to be arranged or to appear. You know, the marketing side is like every audience is different. It's amazing the number of people who will start a call. It's like, well, we're a really niche industry. It's like one of my first clients was selling the cranes that pull shipping containers off of. <laughs> off of boats right like when you get into like an agency kind of mindset there's just you get exposed to so many different types of businesses and business models 
And so we, we generally, if, if we had to find some things that are like consistent themes, you know, we're really good with a lot of like B2B and, and clients where their conversion is going through and having to, you know, to attract somebody to come in and reach out for more information. Okay. Um, but we haven't done, we've done some e-commerce, you know, we're actually selling products. We have some clients that do that. But I think a lot of our clients that because our marketing side, at least our SEO side is very content-based are the ones software companies where we can tell a compelling story. We can talk about the problems that your audience is solving. You know, with paid media, we have to have something that's, that is more transactional, where we've got to get it to a landing page where they can do some sort of a conversion that we can put a dollar sign on. Mm-hmm. Because that's how we back in and say, what was our cost per acquisition to determine if we're making money for you? So those are much less industry or vertical specific as they are kind of function of the business and what, you know, what the client is really going to be able to do to tell their story. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Wait, uh, I'm curious, where did you, where did you come up with the name Knucklepuck or how, what was the inspiration behind that? How'd that, how'd that come up? Yeah. So I mentioned that we had the other name and, you know, and I was devastated for it. I took it to a trademark attorney and he was like, look, like you could fight this, you could win, you could lose, you yeah. could pay me for the privilege either way. And so I, I didn't fight it. And I labored over it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And my wife was finally like, dude, you got to just pick something like you, you can't be a company with no name. And if you're mm-hmm. half as good at marketing as you think you are, pick a name and build a story. And so The Mighty Ducks was my favorite movie okay. growing up as a kid, Emilio okay. Estevez kind of hockey movie. Yep. Um, the attorney was not super pleased to have me bring a potential Disney conflict back to his desk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, do own, I do own the trademark for it now. And, and when we moved into our, our original space over six years ago and we were doing the build out, we actually went through a branding exercise. So I said, mm-hmm. once I put it on the wall and I painted on the wall and put it on the logo and the t-shirts and everything, like, then it's not changing it, right? That's what yeah. we're going to do. Um, and after about three or four weeks of going through, brought the whole team involved and Knuckle Puck was the best answer, the best yeah. option. I love it. I love it. That's cool. That's very cool. What have you realized? Is there anything that sort of stands out about the way that people are doing business online today as opposed to a few years ago? And, and I know that that's probably a very large question, but I'm just curious if you have seen any types of transitions, you know, what, you know, things that are, a lot of people seem to be asking for, or, you know, Hey, can, can you do this? Or is this possible? You know, anything come to mind along those lines that maybe not, maybe not have been a focus a few years ago? One of the things that I think is really interesting is sometimes we're looking at places where like the conversion action on the site has nothing to do with your phone. We're not tracking phone call clicks the same way that we used to, because consumers don't generally want to use the phone. Yeah. You know, we're finding ways and, and as things are evolving, we're trying to say, okay, our conversion is no longer tracking phone calls. We're still doing it. There is still that audience. We're still doing things like click to call ads with our paid media campaigns because we yeah. need to have visibility there. But when we're actually looking at how people are engaging with it, how we're evaluating the, our success and the success for our clients, the conversions that we're looking at are much more kind of hands-off in the, you know, kind of go into the funnel, work through the steps for it. And that changes both the marketing and any sort of engineering for the website, because it changes how you're going to set somebody up to take the desired action for it. How are you going to nurture them with content when the goal is not to try to get them to call you, but just to give you their email or just to give you a little bit of information about, you know, what their, what their goal is so that we can qualify the, the value of that lead. You know, we, it's, we look at whether or not leads are actually going to be, you can convert them, right? Like you have leads that say like, yeah, I want a website. It's like, I have 150 bucks. It's like, 
that's not a lead. Yeah. Right. And so being able to find ways and, and looking at, we haven't gotten too far into it personally because our lead volume is, is not at a point where we need to, mm -hmm. um, but seeing how these CRM systems are starting to get much more sophisticated. We're doing a lot of things where we're building in, um, you know, with Salesforce integrations for some of our large web projects, because people are recognizing that is kind of the, the operational logistics that mm -hmm. technology enables more than almost anything you know, to replace the, you know, again, you can't replace the rapport of a phone call, yeah. but you can replace the, you know, the initial conversations. And, and depending on how sensitive the product is, you know, people maybe don't want to call if they're going to rehab. Yeah. Maybe people don't want to call if they're, you know, trying to, to having a mental health crisis and looking for a therapist. Maybe people want to have the opportunity to be able to, to have a little bit more of an, an almost anonymous or hands-off approach. And it gives the, you know, the consumer more control. And so I think that's one of the big things that's been interesting from a conversion perspective about what we're actually trying to accomplish with mm -hmm. your website. Mm -hmm. and, and have you guys done anything yet with, with any type of AI or anything like that, where, you know, maybe if it's even, you know, you get leads, how, how qualified is this lead, you know, based on some type of. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing, at least for us personally, with the stuff that we're doing there, we're, in, you know, the that we typically work at are not going to be your fortune 50 who has you know 10 billion data points yeah, where yeah. You know, that's when people talk about big data uh, now it's gotten better but when it started to come up like eight out of ten people didn't know what it meant yeah eight out of ten people just thought big data meant lots of analytics right you know and it's it's the stuff where when you're operating at a level like stockbrokers are where like one like one hundredth of a percentage point is like that's different Right. Yeah. Like that's it. Yep. That's that's win or lose. That's whether or not your, your fund is successful, you know, and provides a return is that 0.001% in there. And at that level, the technology and things on AI becomes, you know, hugely advantageous. Yeah. But for most businesses still, I think, you know, people overcompensate with the tech side. They think that AI is just going to be able to do it for them. And then there's not going to need to be some sort of a human component to it. And, and I don't agree. Right. I've, yeah. I've long pushed for some of these things. I did a uh, I did a um, a conference presentation a couple months back, um, and one of the biggest pieces of negative feedback I got was that this isn't automated and this isn't scalable. And like the subject of my the subject of my thing was like this is not scalable. Yeah, like, this yeah. is inherently <laughs> a manual process. Like I have actually like cut off my team when they've tried to automate certain pieces because we need to go in there and actually put our hands on it to understand how to optimize the content on it. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of benefits for it, but I think with AI and some of these tech pieces, when you expect that to solve it for you, you mentally get lazy. Mm -hmm. You're not evaluating mm -hmm. things the same way. You're not thinking critically because how could you outthink a computer, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the computer has pulled all this data and it's distilled it down and it's telling me that this page is successful or needs this update, like who am I to judge? Right. And, and in yeah. a lot of ways, that's true. But I think that sticking with kind of more of a you know, having to have somebody who's manning the controls, you know, at, at maybe it's, you know, our portfolio is more conducive to it. But I think that you know, most businesses out there are not the, you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 100, huge, massive, big data pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think a lot of people are going to you know, start realizing that more and more. I don't know if you've seen the news actually just today about Zillow. And, mm -hmm. and the issues that they're having, I mean, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're relying on an, an algorithm to, you know, for their own investments and, you know, what they're showing on, on their websites and all of that, and that blew up in their face. So, yeah. um, well, so and then know, that has far reaching, like far reaching implications, right? 
Yeah, you know, they're going to unload 25% of their stock. It's going to be, you know, at at a level, you know, at a lower level, and it's going to be scooped up by BlackRock. Yeah. Right. And yep. so now all of a sudden, like that, like there's so many different pieces here when we kind of just blindly follow, you know, those things and the consequences of it are, you know, are, are considerable. I, yeah. I remember when when COVID first hit, I think the big thing that I always ask is like what really revealed is like how overextended everybody is. Like who could cut you a break? You know, like the building wouldn't cut a break to its tenants because they have a debt on the building. And if they yeah. default on their debt, then, you know, the bank has a, you know, has a loan and collateral on that. Yep. And so nobody yep. can just say like, hey, let's just like, let's just pause because everybody is so hyperextended and, and, and leveraged because they've, you know, they have this winner take all and this like tiny margin and, and gross shareholder value approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think for a lot of businesses, maybe they're smaller ones, but I think a lot of businesses that kind of embrace a little bit more of a technology enablement mm-hmm. rather than, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, are ones, at least for right now, right? Like we're just, we as a society and as a people are not equipped or evolved enough to really use AI yet. I yeah. Think, yep. Right. You know, well, and AI, I don't think is there. Yeah. AI yeah. is not obviously there yet either. So, you know, it's just, you know, just starting to to come on the scenes, but no, that, that was an interesting, I, I like that, that, uh, that point that you just made about having, you know, basically, um, you know, connecting, connecting with people and making that, you know, making the connection sort of outside of technology, making sure that that is secure because, you know, that is the, you know, the kind of core that we're at right now, right? I mean, everything revolves around people. And, you know, when you're when you're eliminating people from that equation, you know, as much as you possibly can and trying to automate everything you possibly can, you mm-hmm. you do lose touch of some of those, you know, those realizations that you might have been able to glean had you been, you know, in the weeds and looking looking at all the data or whatever it is that you're trying to, to focus on. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's great, great advice. Well, and you think about what technology has happened, like, you know, Facebook is like 15 years old, right? You know, mm-hmm. Google is like 22 years old. You know, I saw something really wild the other day, a friend of mine said, sent it to me, it's like the entire history of recorded sound in the world is like 160 years old. Mm-hmm. Like before the phonograph was invented, you could never listen to music alone because there had to be somebody playing it for you. Yeah. yeah. When you think about like where we came 100 years ago, like, we didn't have a car, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and now now we're sending civilians to the edge of space. Yep. You know, and I think it's really interesting. So I'm I'm 33, so I think I fall right in that millennial generation. And it's really what I think is interesting about it is like I think that my generation is like the one in between the pre and post internet generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People older than me grew up without the internet. Yeah. People younger yeah. than me grew up fully with the internet. Right. But like my generation kind of grew up in like, all right, like we had T9 word on our cell phone and then we had the flip phone and then we had the one that could connect to the internet to send an email, you know, and now all of a sudden when you see that and the folks that are coming up now and like, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, you know, like cannot imagine what the world's going to look like in 10 years for them with technology. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. AI might be there, right? You know, talking about that, it isn't there. Like, I think those things are, you know, the the pace of, of evolution in some of these tech things you know, it's just, it's difficult to comprehend. And yeah. I think that's where our challenge is going to be because the people still have to be involved somehow. They still have to have some sort of control over what you're doing with your lives and with yourselves. But how do we leverage the, you know, the undeniable power and benefit of the internet for creating these connections? You and I likely don't meet, you know, in the, yeah. the pre-internet days. You know, I don't know yep. when 
you know, when podcasts really started to kind of come up, but even this kind of form of content, you know, is something that is much younger and much more kind of much newer than I think we, we realize sometimes, you know, how little time these, this technology has really existed and the impact that it's made in that short period of time. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting concept too. Have you ever written, written Abundance by uh, Peter Diamandis? Have you ever heard of that one? No. So, so it's really interesting. So he kind of got into the whole concept of, you know, look a few hundred years ago, the big thing was, was being able to buy oil to be able to even have lights. Right. So the people that had enough money to be able to buy oil could read longer at night because they were able to, you know, be able to see the words. So those people, you know, started getting, you know, more and more intelligent. So, you know, fast forward today, you know, what are the types of things that are, you know, sort of lacking, right? I mean, obviously there's, there's still huge disparities in, you know, different cultures and where they are and everything, but, you know, for the most part, we'll say in, in the developed world, you know, where are those limitations? What, what is it that, you know, people are, you know, truly lacking to be able to, to get ahead and, you know, hopefully the, the, um, you know, that, that distance is getting further and further apart. It's not, you know, it's no longer just, you know, one thing that you can absolutely say, you know, if we had that, you know, we'd be able to do so much more, you know, I don't, I don't even know what, what that is today. If, you know, I mean, there's so many, so many, you know, positives and things that excel life today that, uh, you know, it, it, I, it's almost too much where you have to almost figure out, okay, which ones, which things am I going to focus on today rather than, you know, trying to do everything right. You know, so, that's every day, right. You know, yeah. I think there's, there's always more choices, you know, everybody has, you know, I'm a big believer in free will, I'm a big advocate for free will and, you know, make your choices, just don't hurt anybody. Yeah. Yep. Right. But, you know, there's always going to be things you choose to do and there's always going to be things you choose not to do, you know, and, and there are benefits and consequences to each. You know, I've, I did not study abroad when I went to college. I know a lot of people that did, my wife did, my best friends did, you know, but it was one of those things where I made the choice that I liked what I had there. I'd made a lot of investments into my, you know, my social groups, my, you know, my job, all the different things there. And I made a choice, Yeah. you know, and it's, I've given that same story when I talk about getting a tattoo, you know, my first tattoo, it's like, well, what if you didn't like it? It's like, I don't know, I made a choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that was that was a big thing for me and, and making sure that you kind of look at your choices, evaluate them, make the best decision that you can, but then understand that those circumstances may change down the ride. Yeah. Down the line. You're gonna have to find a way to to live with the decisions that you made, but still continue to, to change them. You don't yeah. like the tattoo, do a design around it, cover it up. You know, yeah. there's there's all sorts of things that you can see out there. You can always try to, to make some improvements to whatever your current state is right now, but that is an accumulation of the infinite choices and decisions that you've made in your life personally and professionally. Yeah, no, makes, makes perfect sense. Going back to your, your agency, is there anything that comes to mind that you see people sort of making mistakes on today or things that, you know, are common, I guess, hurdles that a lot of people are, are coming to the table and, and, you know, struggling with or not understanding from a, from a client perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from yeah, I guess yeah, from your business perspective, or people that are coming to you for your advice, like are there are there certain things that that a lot of people seem to be you know sort of struggling with or or not doing correctly or what have you? Yeah, I'm not sure if this is like if this is exactly answering the question, but I think what's really interesting because we are a marketing and development agency, and so like our job, like most of our budgets, the the budgets that pay for agencies like ours are largely discretionary budgets, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to be able to make a case for some of these pieces. You have to be able to make a case for, for what you want and you have to be willing to invest in that for a long-term growth. 
you know, for, you know, if you're going to go out and build a new website with all these integrations for it, it's going to take you six months and, you know, 50 to $75,000 to build. You got to have a plan for what you're going to use that in your business. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing that like, I have noticed the ones that, you know, I feel are going to be successful and the ones that are not are the ones that understand that like, okay, this is an investment I have to make. There's a return I need to be able to derive from this investment for it to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the ones that are going in there and saying, yes, I know I need to spend money. Yes, I understand I'm not going to see results for 90 days to 180 days. Yes, I understand when I relaunch the site, my visibility might dip over the short term because I've made all these other changes. I still believe that a year from now, I will be better off and I will make more money and my business will make more money as a result. And so I think, again, it's not as much of a challenge, but I think the ones that I try to get people hard that are, that are on that edge and I can tell that they're just like, they're aspirational and they want to have good SEO on their website or they want to have a new website and redesign, but not just the financial cost, but the time, the resources, the working with your agency, providing that feedback. You know, if you're, if you're going to bleed for it, you know, most things worth having, you got to bleed for it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you got to put the work in and you got to put the, the effort in. And so I think that's the one that like, when I give people that advice and paid media is a great example for it. You know, you pay an agency like ours to manage the account, but you also still got to give us a bankroll. And so we still need ad spend that we can use. And so when people are getting into it, they're like, oh, well, like, what is it a month? I was like, I don't want you to think about it that way. Like you need to look at what you're going to spend in six months. Mm -hmm. So if I tell you that it's going to be 10 grand a month, you need to be looking at a $60,000 investment plus fees over six yeah. months. Yeah. Because if you just do it for 90 days and say, and get skittish that the results aren't there yet, so we haven't generated enough information. We haven't yeah. bought enough data, you know, in terms of the clicks that we're able to secure for us to be able to make informed recommendations. So you, you can't go into it thinking you're going to pay it off in 90 days. You've got to be able to look at it as longer than that. Yeah. And, and is there a minimum that you would, that you would suggest is six months, sort of the, you know, the minimum threshold where you'd want to run ads to be able to, you know, collect the data for that amount of time to be able to determine, you know, okay, this yeah, works, this doesn't work. That's, I mean, we say that as a minimum. So for yeah. us, we started doing this last year um, and I actually really like it. Um, we started doing, we used to do, you know, kind of annual terms, like, Hey, yeah. we, we need an annual commitment, but that's a big, bite of the apple, right? For yeah. people, especially if you haven't worked with this or if you've had a bad experience in the past. And so we do an initial six month term because at that point, even if we haven't, you know, completely flipped around and are like printing money for you quite yet, like you should yeah. be able to understand what is it like working with us? Are we seeing improvements that you feel are going to generate your business? Are leads starting to trickle in? Because if it's six months and we've been working and, and our retainers start at 24 hours a month, so it's not like we're going in there and saying like, hey, we spent, you know, 30 minutes, you know, a week on this. Like, yeah. When we're in there, we're putting the time in, like by six months, we should be able to see that progress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, like you're not at the top of the mountain yet, but you should be able to start feeling like your cardio is, is not hurting as much as before. Like your legs aren't as sore, you know, yeah. and your, your mileage is starting to go up. Right. You're not, you're not at the marathon yet, but like six months ago, you couldn't, you know, you were out of shape. Now, you know, you're running five Ks and 10 Ks. Yeah. We got work to do, but you should feel the progress and you should feel the improvements in it and see that for your business within that six months. But SEO wise, when I tell people to talk about like full ROI on that, like 12 to 24 months. Yeah, it's SEO, long. Yeah, um, it's to a really long see the return, right? Like yeah. see the progress, know that like be able to, to say this is a worthwhile investment. I want to continue. But 12 to 24 months before, you know, that flywheel is really moving. But the great thing is with SEO, like it's not ad spend. So once you yeah. get there, it's just... It's yeah. recurring traffic. It roll. 
on an ongoing basis. Yeah. 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 I know that that makes perfect sense. If, if people want to learn more about you or knuckle puck, what would be the, the best way to reach out and get in touch or again, learn more about you guys? Yeah. So our, our website is knucklepuckmedia.com. There's a uh, punk band out of Chicago called Knucklepuck that hasn't agreed to sell me knucklepuck.com. <laughs> you know, knucklepuckmedia.com has all of our info. My email is brett at knucklepuckmedia.com. Um, I still do pretty much all of our initial kind of conversations with folks that want to work with us and, and have conversations similar to the ones that you and I have had today. And we say, like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? What is Knucklepuck going to do? What does it cost to hire us? You know, I have, I have friends who are like, yeah, I wait to the very end before I talk about budget. And I was like, why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah if you that's, make sure like, you're that's one of the biggest disqualifiers for both yeah. people, right? Like, why not have that discussion up front and have people understand what, you know, what you should be expecting to pay or to invest in over six months, you know, 12 months, 24, you know, to be able to see the, the results that you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, feel, uh, feel free to email, email me. I don't have a VA or anything, so you'll get me. Always happy to answer questions. And I said, these are, that's why I like being involved in this. This is part of that community aspect and really being able to know that make yourself accessible and, and pay it forward. You know, I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of positive impact in my career from that. So yeah, I love it. Um, I, hope I, love to, it. I hope to hear from some of the, uh, some of the listeners here. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely hope people do uh, reach out that might have some questions for you. And, and I completely agree. I, I love, you know, paying it forward too and trying to you know, be able to participate. I mean, that's the whole reason why we do this whole podcast was mm -hmm. you know, to be able to get in front of other entrepreneurs and, and expose learnings from, from everybody. So I uh, certainly appreciate the time that you gave us here today on the show and uh, the, the pearls of wisdom. And, and uh, like I said, I hope some people reach out to you here in the very near future. Yeah, likewise. This is this is a lot of fun. Excellent. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.